0: Well, I want to invite your attention this morning to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. All the scriptures will be on the screen, too. Before we get into that, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever gone to the beach or maybe a theme park or some other vacation spot where they have those cutout things? You know what I'm talking about? And you stick your head in them, and then maybe somebody with you grabs their camera and they take a picture of you. And then you, when you look at the picture, you laugh. Why do you laugh? Well, it's because a lot of times when you stick your head in one of those things, maybe, it's, uh, maybe you've stuck your head in a bodybuilder's in a body. Or maybe it's a bathing beauty, or maybe it's a grizzly bear. And then you look at the picture with your head on it and you laugh because it's a mismatch. The head does not match the body. That's one of my fears about the church, not our church, but the church in general is that if we don't represent Christ like we should, there is a mismatch. And that's why all of us, our goal should be to become more Christ-like every day so that we can make sure that we're not a mismatch, so that we can make sure that we're representing Christ and representing the church the way that we should. And so that's why our desire and our goal should be to every day be more Christ-like than we were the day before, or the month before, or the year before. We all need to be intentionally growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's why Growth, our spiritual growth, is one of our mission statements here at Burning Bush Baptist Church. The overall statement is connecting people to Jesus and each other. But then one of our statements under that is be transformed. God should be transforming us as we grow in our faith. So we're in the second week of this series. I loved Emily's video and Amanda's the week before. We're in the second week of this series. I love our church. And I hope that's a true statement for you. And last week we talked about how Jesus commanded his followers to radically love each other and also unbelievers. and that how we were supposed to be un- we were supposed to unconditionally love people, and also we need to intentionally love people. It's not really going to happen by accident. We also talked about in how some circles, it's popular to say, Yes to Jesus, but no to the church. People say, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. And we talked about how really you can't separate Jesus Christ from the church. He's the head of the church, and we looked at several scriptures that, that tell us that. And it's just like a body. You, you can't cut the head off of a body because if you do, the body dies. So even though we're, the church is comprised of imperfect leaders... And imperfect people, we all kind of make up the body of Christ and we are all connected through Jesus Christ. So this Sunday, we want to talk about intentionally being more Christ-like so that we're not that mismatch that I talked about a few moments ago. And that's something that we all need to do. And I think if I ask the question... How many of you would like to be closer to Christ in 2020 than you were in 2019? Everybody would raise their hand. I can't imagine anybody wouldn't raise their hand. But here's the thing. You have to be intentional about it. You know, everybody wants to lose weight too and everybody wants to eat healthier and things like that. But if you're not intentional about it, it doesn't matter. We can all have great intentions, but if we're not intentional... Nothing's going to happen. So we're going to be diving into Colossians chapter 2 today, and we're going to look at three different things that the Apostle Paul tells us about growing in our faith. And I'm going to start with verse 6, and we're just going to look at a couple verses here. It reads, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, I want you to notice one of the first phrases here, kind of at the end of verse 6. It's translated, depending on what version you're in, live your lives in Him, receiving Christ, walking or living with Christ. And what that means is, you pattern your life after Jesus. And this word, here's what it's literally depicting. It depicts a well-worn path that you have established by consistently living for Christ. You pattern, you model your life after. The Apostle Paul says over in the book of 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Imitate Christ as I imitate Christ. And that's great advice for all of us. So this word literally means that you've created a well-worn path because you've consistently lived for Jesus. I used to live on a mountain in western North Carolina and there were only a couple other homes on this mountain and behind us on this mountain there were all kinds of hiking trails and most of these trails had been there for centuries. Most people said the Indians used to hike over over these uh, mountains on these particular hiking trails. And uh, after, in the early 19th century, they used to mine mica on this particular mountain. So the miners would use these trails. And after the miners used the trails, the mines played out, the... uh, the moonshiners would use them during the Prohibition days, and you could still see evidences of, of old stills and stuff laying out there. And today, besides the ha- hikers that tromp all over those trails, the Christmas tree farmers that grow Christmas trees on that mountain, they use those trails. And then, of course, all kinds of hikers go up on the, on the top of this mountain because it just has a great view. And because of the years, the volume of use... In many places on that trail, the trail now is worn so much that it's actually below the grade of where it originally was, like almost like a shallow gully, so to speak, because it's just been worn out. That is what Paul is speaking to regarding our walk with Christ when he says, living or receiving Christ. Or I'll put it another way. When people see your life, they should see a path to Jesus Christ. Those trails behind our house, you didn't have to look for. them; It was very evident where they were. I mean, you didn't have to go searching. You didn't need any signs. You could easily see where those trails were. When folks are around you, they should catch a glimpse of Jesus Christ. When people begin to spend a lot of time with you, they should see Jesus Christ. When, when, when people start finding out your priorities, they should know that Jesus Christ is important to you. And then they think to themselves, I want to follow that person. I want to follow that person down that trail. And so it, in order for that to happen, we have to grow spiritually spiritually. It means individually and collectively as a church, we need to be actively pursuing spiritual growth in our lives. And so Paul's going to begin to list here. He's talked about how we need to have that well-worn path, so to speak, that people see. And then he's going to give us some ways that we grow. And the first one, and it's kind of the foundation here is, he says is to be rooted in Christ. That's the beginning point you know you think of a sturdy tree that that has deep roots and what happens when a storm like last night comes along that tree st- is able to stand i was driving down burning bush road last night we had some damage here at the church up on the roof and the steeple and stuff had some water get in and i noticed this tree it's actually at a church member's house about a half a mile up the road this way there's this 40 foot tall tree and it's laying on some power lines the only thing that's keeping that tree from falling all the way over is it's leaning up against some power lines and you look at the base of that tree and you can tell there are no deep roots it's just a, a, a long, tall, skinny kind of tree, and there are no deep roots. But what Paul's talking about here is, is, is that, that we nourish ourselves in such a way in Jesus Christ that we have deep roots. We're making our roots in Him, and we're being nourished by Him. And it indicates, the, the verb tense, that it's a once-for-all planting of a Christian in Christ. In other words, you're receiving your spiritual nourishment over your lifetime through Christ. And then think about this analogy. When you plant, you plant with a purpose, right? I mean, farmers don't just go out willy-nilly throwing whatever kinds of seed out. If you're a gardener, you're probably planting rows of something. You're not just taking a handful of whatever kind of seeds and tossing them out and and hoping for the best. You're, You're planting with a purpose. Well, I think God plants us with a purpose. And our purpose is to produce fruit and grow in the image of Jesus Christ. And when I talk about producing fruit, I'm talking about we're pouring in to other people. What do people see in your life? What do they see in your heart? What kind of fruit do you produce? Are you being productive based on the priorities that you have in your life? In the soil of Christ. Whenever I think about these types of things, I always think that Jesus is a great example for us. Like, what did Jesus do a lot? He got away, right? And he went and talked with his father. And he let the Holy, let the Spirit guide him. And he had conversations and intimacy with God as he would withdraw from crowds and withdraw from the other disciples. He made it a priority. Even Jesus did. To grow, And then you think about what he did. He poured into people. He poured into the 120, we're told. He poured into the 70. We know he poured into the 12 that we refer to as the 12 disciples. And then you may know there were three other disciples included in that 12 that he especially poured into in even a deeper way. Peter, James, and John. And he would teach them at kind of a, a deeper level. And he was helping them to grow spiritually you know what that tells me? That if Jesus needs to pull away and spend time with his Father, and he needs to talk with his Father, and he needs to pray with his Father, and he needs to seek his Father's guidance, what about me? It means certainly that I do, that I need to lean on God that i need to be talking and listening to the holy spirit and his promptings and allowing the holy spirit to direct me rather than just kind of leaning on myself i spoke with a man at our church a few years ago and i appreciated his honesty and his his candor he says he told me he says you know i'm i'm just in a season right now where I, i'm i'm not where i should be spiritually and i haven't been as close to god as i should be And then he went on, he's just very honest. He said, I've just got too busy. He said, I've let my job become a barrier in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm still coming to church. But he said, I'm just going through the motions. He said, there's really not a whole lot going on. I'm living life, his words were, without really thinking about God. And then he used these very words. He said, I'm just flat ever been there just kind of flat in your relationship and in your spiritual life and this person just what he did he got involved in a small group bible studied our church he began to to get into god's word more and just kind of changed his life by doing that you know what let's be honest couldn't we all say what he said that there are times in our life when we kind of drift away and we're not pursuing God like we should and we're not as close to God as we should be. And to me, one of the wonderful things about God's love for us is that we are all at different spots in our spiritual journey, but yet no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, God is beckoning you toward Him. doesn't matter where you're at. He still wants to draw you closer to Him. And the closer we get to him, the more we become like him. And then our church becomes more like him. So that's the first thing. We need to be rooted in Jesus Christ and nourished. And we, you know, we're doing that by, by praying and getting his word, by, by coming to church and worshiping and, 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 and learning that way. But there's a second phrase here right after that. We need to grow. We need to be rooted in Christ. And it says the second is to be built up in the truth. That word built up is an architectural term. And literally, you could translate it this way. I kind of like this translation or or this interpretation because I think it gives us a, a fresh look at it. God is engineering us. You ever thought about it that way? God is engineering us. He's doing a work in us. And as we are nourished by Him, and as we walk with Him, He engineers us. And then we become more and more like Him. And sometimes we don't like the route that God is engineering us, like, like we don't like it maybe when He's having to twist something to make it fit and change our life the way He wants it to be. Or maybe to use the construction terms, He's driving a nail in there and it's not comfortable. And it can be tough sometimes. And sometimes in life, things can get pretty tough, can't they? Maybe it's your finances, your finances, Maybe it's just stress. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's being a teenager, being a child. Sometimes things can get pretty tough. Going to school. Maybe it's a relationship. Just just things. And here it is. When those things are taking place, God is still engineering me. And if I'm not careful, I don't realize God is engineering me, that God is building me up. And then he does something great and he comes in and does something fantastic, and I miss it because I didn't even realize that God was working in my life. God is constantly doing things in our life. And you know, I think sometimes we we just don't realize that. We don't realize the importance, for instance, of, of coming to church. How, how, the, how that we worship, you know, that that's important and, and learning in a setting like this and we just kind of check the box off, you know. Well, I did the church thing. I don't have to worry about it till next week. I'm done with that for now. But you know what? If you come and you worship and you make that a habit, that's great. But what helps even more is when you're coming to church and you're worshiping and you're learning and then you're studying God's word on your own. And then things really start to change. You know, I, th- I think sometimes we just get so caught up when we talk about reading God's word in time. Yeah, you know, well, it's got to be. How long's it got to be? Or, man, I just can't read all those chapters and do the workbook every day. That's just not me. That's fine. It's not about time, it's not about quantity, it's about quality just spending some time with him every day. And I can't tell you what that is for you. You know, maybe it's just reading a book of Proverbs, one chapter out of the Proverbs every day. There are 31 chapters. So most months, you could just do whatever whatever day of the month that is. So today, you would read Proverbs chapter 12. How long would that take you? But if you really learned it, it would make a huge difference in your life. Studying the book, you know, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. I was in Texas in the middle of December visiting my daughter and we went to a church and the pastor there, I was, he must have quoted 20 different Proverbs and they were just kind of off the cuff. They wasn't, he didn't have it printed down, they weren't in his notes and it was just impressive to listen to him quote those off at different points during his sermon. In fact, it made such an impression on me. that I need to do a better job of, of, of memorizing Proverbs and, and some other books like that. So maybe that's it for you. Maybe for you, the F260 plan, this is our third year in the church of doing that. Ten minutes tops. Five minutes a lot of times. And again, it's, it's, it's quality, not necessarily quantity. Maybe you want to learn more about Jesus. Then, you know, get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, And John, but it's spending time with Jesus, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship like we are this morning, talking to God. Now, when when, when you come to church, you can't think of it as just a to-do list, right? Like it's a timer. You know, I know in our society, you know, you're like, okay, you got 60 minutes, 65 minutes. You go past that, man, you people are like, you're, holding, you're looking at your watch like this, you know, like giving me hints and stuff like that. It really doesn't need to be like that. You know, sometimes, and I know you don't get to see the same things that I see, but, you know, sometimes you sit up here and, and, you, and you watch the close of the service. And, like, there are people that are just making a mad dash out of here. Like sometimes, I, you know, it's just like I, this is what I think sometimes. It's like a horse race, the Kentucky Derby. And they're off! And, and, and people just can't wait to, to get out of here. In fact, I thought sometimes that uh, maybe I could re- video it. I actually thought about doing this last week, but I wasn't sure everybody would appreciate it. But uh, just have a videotape of people leaving the, the building and just kind of put some words to it something along these lines. And they're off! And the busy workaholic is in the early lead. But as they approach the welcome center on the outside, here comes, doesn't like traffic jams. Followed closely by, gotta get to the nursery. And right on their heels, I'm hungry along with bored out of my mind. But out of nowhere on the outside rail down the stretch, here comes tiny bladder. (laughs) Thought about doing that. But I'm not sure everybody would have appreciated it. Now trust me, I understand that sometimes you need to leave church in a hurry, and I'm don't get me wrong, I am so glad that you're here to worship and that you make a priority in that, in, in, that make the worship a priority in your life. And I know some of you, you've got to get to work. Maybe you come to the the, the nine forty service and you got to be at work at eleven or eleven thirty, and and you just have to get out of here. I understand that. I understand sometimes there's family gatherings that are happening on Sunday afternoon and then you've got to make it to that. And, and I know some of you, you're serving in other areas and you've got to leave a little bit early to valet park cars or you're part of the safety team or whatever it is, or somebody's waiting on you and depending on you. I understand those types of things and, I, and I'm glad you're here. And, and I especially appreciate those people that, man, they've got to work at 1130 and they make it a priority to come and, and, and be at worship anyway. But overall, It would be great if we we didn't rush out of here. That those types of things are the exception and not the norm. Because we just miss something if we're just checking something off the list and we're rushing out of here and we're not spending the time to talk to people and pour into other people's lives. And by the same token, you can come early and spend some extra time just, just greeting people and shaking hands. And, you know, it's pretty easy around here to spot somebody that's here for the first time. Uh, sometimes I'll go up to people and say, so is this your first time? And they say, well, how'd you know? And it's like they have this look on their face, especially like if they had children in the children's department and they've tried to m- make the maze up to the sanctuary and nobody was helping them. I mean, you can just usually tell. And... Uh, just be friendly and, and speak to people. And I think we do a pretty good job of that, but, but we could always do a better job. So just don't run out of here like a, you know, it's a mad dash, it's a, it's a horse race. You know, Just talk to people, invest in their lives, find out something about them. I think God has created in everybody a desire for community. And I think in Christians, he's created a desire for Christian community, a community of believers. And I think sometimes we underestimate the value of community. We underestimate the value of friendship and intimacy and accountability. And connecting with other people oftentimes just doesn't become a priority. But it needs to be. Because when we are united, God can do incredible things. But when we're not united and we're, you know, divisive with each other, man, Satan is just licking his chops. Last year, the whole family, we were just kind of home one evening and we were watching TV and We watched a program on uh, the Discovery Channel about the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone. I'm sure it's ran numerous times. It was a pretty fascinating program. And uh, they were, you know, obviously wolves tend to hunt in packs. And, you know, they had named some of these wolves and some of these packs uh, in the documentary. And uh, and it showed several examples of them hunting together. And there was this one particular scene. It's the wintertime and the snow's like up to here. And there's this old, the the pack is trailing a herd of buffalo. And there's this old bull that's having trouble keeping up with the herd. And I mean, he's just struggling through the snow, and the pack begins to, to follow him. And eventually, he gets so far behind the pack, or behind the herd, that the wolves attack. And it was literally all over in a few minutes. I mean, just even in a few moments, it was over for that bull. Scripture says Satan's like that. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's the importance of community. That's the importance of believers not living their lives in vacuums, living our lives together to grow and strengthen and build each other up. I know everybody knows who Billy Graham is. He passed away maybe a year ago. I don't think anybody would argue that he was probably the most prolific evangelist you know, of the last 100 years. And his wife, Ruth, passed away about a decade before he did. And the story goes, a few years before Ruth passed away, uh, Billy and Ruth were driving through uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina, near their home of Montreat, which is where they lived most of their adult Life And while they were driving home, they ran into a construction area there in the town of Montreat. And uh, it was just bumper to bumper. And what should have took them two or three minutes ended up taking them about 20 minutes. And, and finally, they got out of the traffic and continued on toward their house. But as they're pulling out of the, you know, the, the work zone there, there was a sign. And Ruth pointed at the sign and said to her husband, That's what I want on my tombstone. And the Reverend Graham looked at it and he said, you want that on your tombstone? She said, yeah, that's what I want on my tombstone. Do you know what it said? End of construction. Thank you for your patience. Now you might just think that was a sentiment that she expressed one day. Here's a picture of her graveside. It's exactly what it says. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. It was more than just a sentiment. It was something that she followed through on. This, these words here that Paul has built up means every one of us are a heavenly construction project. Now you might be thinking this morning, compared to Ruth Graham, I'm just a little fixer-upper. But you know what? God doesn't look at it that way. That's not how God judges things. We're all the same to Him. Remember that verse we talked about last week as I kind of closed with it? Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's who he is. That's what he does. He's working in our lives. And he's created us. He's engineering us to be more than just casual spectators. You were made to be rooted in Christ. You were made to be engineered in truth. And then he mentions a third thing here. Strengthened in the faith. So you were made to be strengthened in the faith. Some translations put it established. So you're established in the faith because of what God is doing in your life. And Folks, sometimes that faith can get really stagnant as our growth gets stagnant. Kind of like that man I was telling you about earlier. And we don't stretch those faith muscles because we're not pouring into God's Word and we're not talking to Him. And we're not having a steady diet of of being in worship and in church. So I ask you a question. How could your life be different if you were intentional about growing spiritually? How would your life be different And when I say intentional, I mean you say to God, okay, God, here are some things that I want to start doing and I really want to grow and I don't want to stay the way I am. You know, some of you have been in church 30, 40, 50 years or you've been Christians that long. And all you do is come to worship. And I'm glad you're here. But you don't serve. You're not involved in any Bible studies in small groups. I just want to challenge you. It's been one year, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is. Take some next steps so that you grow. Maybe for you it's spending more time just reading His Word. Maybe it's, it's time in prayer. Maybe it's consistency. Or maybe for you it's, it's looking at your sphere of influence. Whether that spear is at work whether it's at school, whether it's the neighborhood, whether it's the health club where you work out. But what could you do in that sphere of influence that God has given you? Maybe you ask God, God, how can I make a difference in, the, in this sphere that I'm in? Or maybe for you, God might be talking to you about a mission trip, or, or, or maybe you can't go on a mission trip. There, there are just reasons you can't go. But you could practice biblical generosity and say, you know what, I can't go, but I want to help somebody else go. And I want to invest in what, what God is going to do through that person. And, and, and you give so somebody else can do that. You know, I talked last week just a few examples of some of the amazing things that God's doing here at Burning Bush. And next Sunday is going to be, we're, we're entitled it Celebration Sunday. And we're going to talk about what God has done at Burning Bush this last year. And we've got pictures and videos and, and different things. And we're just going to celebrate. I don't think we celebrate enough what God does. But the thing is, it's not about us. It's what God is doing. And stories are great and celebrations are great. But I also think we have to be careful that we can go, well, we've done enough. We haven't. There's, there, there, there's so much more that we could do. What if we all prayed and just said, God, I want you to show us, I want you to show me, I want you to show our church what we need to be doing. You know, this is a case in just about every small group we have in this church, and I'm not saying it's wrong. But when you take prayer requests, it's usually just a list of sick people. And we should pray for sick people, don't misunderstand me. But what if we started praying, God, what do you want our church to do? God, what do you want me to do at work? God, how can I be a better influence at school? How can I change things and make a difference in my neighborhood? What if those kind of things started popping up on our prayer list? And we, we, we started, God, show us the process. What if we rub, love people radically? What if at work we love people more than we love ourselves? What's going to happen there? That's, that's what we're talking about here. And, you know, we don't need to be a church, and I don't think we are, that constantly looks back and says, oh, well, two years ago we did this, and ten years ago we did this, and we don't need to be Christians and said, you know, 15 years ago I accepted Christ and I was on fire and then I kind of fell apart. We don't need to be that. I, l- I love what David Stone says. This, this is a quote. I love this quote. Death comes when our memories of the past supersede our vision for the future. In that particular comment, he was talking about the church. Death comes when our memories of the past supersede our vision for the future. And Paul says, when you're rooted, when you're built up, when you're strengthened, things happen. You say, God, I, I know I'm a construction project. I know you're working in my life. Use me for your glory. And Jesus needs to be the hub of everything. Jesus needs to be the center of this church. I do a lot of bicycling, and on New Year's Eve, my, uh, my bicycle broke. And uh, on a multi-speed bike, the, the hub in the rear of the bike, it just broke. And so basically what happens, uh, I'm, I'm going down the road, and the chain is going, pedal's moving furiously, but the wheel's not turning anymore because the hub that runs through the center of the bike had broken. And I've been had to order some parts and just about got it all fixed. But without that hub working, so it's kind of the center of the bike, so to speak. Without that hub working, the bike doesn't work. Jesus is the center of this church. He always has been, and my prayer is is that he always will be. And everything needs to revolve around Jesus. And if we ever lose sight of that, we're going to get off course in a hurry. And I want to close with something that both of you, everybody's seen before. You probably wonder why there's a chair up here backwards, right? So, I have some things up here. I have a dozen red roses, and then I have a rose plant, or two rose plants actually are in that box. Now, if I was to take these If I was to ask my wife to choose between these, and she's a gardener and she likes flowers and all those kind of things, which one do you think she would choose today? I know the answer because when I bought these, she asked me what I was going to do with them, and I said, well, I guess I'll give them away to somebody after the service. And she said, well, I want them. And she said that because we have company coming over, and she said they'll make the house smell better, and, and she'll put them out, and they'll kind of add some color and make things pop. But let's, let's, let's have a different, different scenario. What if you were going on a first date? Which of these are you taking to the door? Now, if you're really trying to figure this out, you're probably not dating much, right? I mean, if you're really having to think about this, like you're going to walk up to the door and go, I have some shrubbery for you. Yeah, you're not dating very often probably not going to make a very good impression that night either. But here's, here, here's the thing. This, this is kind of the question I have for you. Which of these two do you want to portray your life going forward? Because these flowers, as pretty as they are today, they're already dying. Three or four days, they'll be very noticeable that they're dying. And within two weeks... They'll be completely dead. This, I mean, it's even got instructions on the back of the carton telling you how to plant it. It's going to be rooted. It's going to build up. It's going to be strengthened with fertilizer and things like that. And it's going to produce roses for years and years to come. So, what about you? Those roses are going to leave a legacy behind. Are you going to leave a legacy of faith behind? Are you going to make the right choice for your life? Are you growing or are you just stagnant? Don't choose dying. Choose living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. and Father, I thank you so much for the Bible. I just thank you for how it guides us in life. Gives us instruction on how to live and how to grow. And Father, I I think we're all challenged. I know I was challenged this week, and I hope everybody else is challenged because of your word. Just the importance of not being so comfortable that we're just standing. Father, help us to see the world around us. Help us to be that well-worn path that, that people look at and see Jesus. Help us to be a church in our community that... that that people love and people know that they're loved when they come here. And Father, help us to be a a reflection of Jesus Christ in our community. And I know lots of people here do lots of things, but there's more that we can do. Help us to be mindful of those things. Help us to be mindful of the people that we come in contact with all the time. As somebody once said, we might be the only Jesus that they see. Let's make sure they're seeing Jesus and not something else father move in our hearts today challenge us may we listen to your holy spirit pray all this in jesus name amen